This is your announcer, Chuck Landington, welcoming you to the Metal Injection Livecast. President Trump thinks we should all be getting back to work, and you know what? I agree with him. Hey Bart, maybe it's finally time for that birdsome tour. Start with your local nursing homes. As I lay dying, time to pack up the van and take it to your fans, city by city. All that remains? I think your brand of tell it like it is hard rock is just what your fans need right now. Get out there. Okay, now that that's taken care of, the Metal Injection live cast starts now. All right, we are live. And, uh, welcome. Turn the music off. Yeah. We're done with the music. Yeah. Welcome to the live cast. We're back. And uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. It's Rob here with Noah. Rob's on the ones and twos. Rob's on the ones and twos here with Noah, Sid, and 3D. And if you're either tuning in with us live or happen to be a Patreon member, you're getting a nice little video feed as we are still in quarantine. Week two of live cast in quarantine as the coronavirus uh, uh, tears through the nation. Yes, we're the still alive cast. <laughs> For now. For now. We don't know For next now. week. How is everyone's symptoms? Well, we're all... Uh, I, I actually now think I have a symptom every eight seconds. Like if I cough or sneeze. Uh, earlier I had a, like a, a little rash on my mustache area. A very minor. Uh, and I ran to the computer to see if that's a symptom of coronavirus. Uh, it turns out it's not. It's just a symptom of eating too much pussy. No. Oh. <laughs> that is, that uh, is not a, actually an actual symptom of coronavirus, though, in case you're wondering. So, yeah, uh, the rash was totally unrelated. It's gone now, by the way, Thank in case God. anyone cares about me. Uh, <laughs> highly unlikely. But, yes. Oh, man. No rash, no corona that I know of, and I'm still alive. I'm the oldest one here, so... Even though at my age I'm not technically in the coronavirus uh, high risk group, uh, I am the closest to it of anyone. So, I suppose I'm being of very the four of us. Yeah. Well, but the, oh, here's I, the thing: I feel I feel like that's a bit of a an urban legend too. That like young people, because there's plenty of young people. Thirty percent of all the the cases in New York are people under seventy. So there's that's a lot. Like while older people are more prone to it. Doesn't mean younger people are are are, are you know abstaining. Yeah, I think no the way it started was because the actual truth of the matter is that like coronavirus attacks people with lower with high risk groups, high risk high risk symptoms and things like that. So old people, not it's not because they're old that they get uh, more incidences of it and it's more fatal, but it's because they they have diseases more often that will put them in that group. So it started, and people kind of conflated the two things, like, oh, old people just get it and die. You can be an old person and be healthy and not and be able to survive the coronavirus. And you can be a young person and have a lot of bad issues. Well, what's crazy is there was a principal who's my age, 36, 37, who had no prior health issues who passed. And Mm -hmm. and that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Be, Be careful. Don't lick any subway poles. Well, don't go on the subway. Yeah. Some yeah. people have to. They have to keep their jobs. There's yeah. some 
like yeah. central uh, employees that have to take the subway to work and stuff. The subway riders, drivers have to do it, the conductors and all that. So they shouldn't lick any subway poles. Yes, unless that's their job. <laughs> Is there a job that entails that? I mean, maybe. Make sure they taste right when they're brand new, at least. So you have to lick the poles in case other people lick the poles to make yeah. sure the taste is correct. It's got to get have that new subway car taste. Got it. I didn't know that. See, if you, if you get it fresh from the factory and it already tastes like balls, you return that. You get a new pole. Oh, the balls have to be slowly uh, simmered in later. Yeah. Think. Yeah. It's like sourdough starter. And the full condoms. Well, we're learning things on the <laughs> Still Alive cast here today. Yeah. A lot of very informative... Uh, yeah. information that's what we're here for we have a guest by the way yeah oh can't hear rob rob's muted rob, you're muted maybe i'm muted now you're muted <laughs> ah uh we do have a guest i'm hearing there's some audio issues so why why don't you tell us who the guest is while i figure out this audio situation our guest is michael lago the very very famous uh, a&r guy uh, from Elektra and Geffen Records, also a renowned photographer, and really all-around great guy. He has a documentary that's on Netflix right now. Is it who I want to don't want to bungle this. Who the who the fuck is that guy? Is that what I it is? I believe that's exact yes. wording. Okay, uh, and it's f- just fascinating. He's a New York guy like us. Uh, he's only just a little bit older than me, so there's a lot of it covers his life, and I'm seeing all these New York things that I remember from being a kid. So and he just kind of drifted through life uh, doing all these amazing things and uh, knowing all these amazing people. A lot of really fascinating situations that he found himself in. Yeah. And I'm excited to talk to him. Michael Alago. Should be fun. A lot of memories of the old New York. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was a, it, weirdly, it was a lot like uh, that Vinny Stigma documentary. I'm surprised there wasn't any mention of uh, Agnostic Front in any capacity you get like in that documentary you got the crow mags mm. and some other like old new york bands from that era but no agnostic front but he must know those guys he must have some yeah. Vinny stigma stories well were they what label were they on i don't think they were ever on a major they were i think on a yeah, bunch of different so. smalls they were on victory but i'm sure he was yeah he was definitely in the scene well let, yeah. let's get yeah. michael on i think i figured out the echo so, uh, you just say Alexa and then it does whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> so apologies to, to the listeners on the, on the YouTube stream, on the Patreon, the first uh, few seconds, we're still figuring out this, this yeah, video we're all in streaming technology. Places. We're all in quarantine, but, uh, we're going to get Michael on the line. Oh, uh, I'm the reason that we're like half an hour late. Cause my webcam wasn't working at all. I'm talking to my phone right now. Hello. Hello, Michael. How's it going? This is uh, Rob with the Metal Injection Livecast. Hello, Rob with the Metal Injection Livecast. <laughs> uh, you're on the air with myself and uh, my co-hosts. We have Noah here. Hello. Sid. Hey. Hi. And Darren. I said hi, Michael. There's four of us. Did you say Eric? Darren. Darren, Darren is. That's what I said, Darren. Works <laughs> <laughs> for me. Well, listen, uh, I, I watched your documentary and it, it, I fell in love with it so much that you can call me Eric if you want to. Okay, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
so, Michael, you know, I just want to uh, set the stage here. We are four uh, born and raised Brooklynites. So, uh, much like yourself, you were born in uh, Borough Park. And we are also four secular Jews. And uh, so, one thing that our podcast, uh, our listeners of our podcast, who are primarily metalheads all over the country, all over the world, one thing that they tell us is that we've taught them a lot about Jewish culture because they don't necessarily uh, encounter them. And uh, it was fascinating in your documentary, Who the Fuck is That Guy?, which is streaming now on Netflix, uh, that you grew up in Borough Park with, you know, the Jewiest of Jews, (laughs) the most uh, orthodox. Uh, so what was that experience like? It's so funny. I have no idea how me, my mom, and my sister Sharon wound up in Borough Park, but we did. And um, I lived under Utrecht Avenue for a long period of time, and then we just went across the street to a huge apartment building on 55th Street and 13th Avenue. And in being in that neighborhood, I remember being all of 12, 13 years old, if it was the Sabbath on the weekend, and I don't know, one of the little old Jewish women would open their door, an old man, and they would ask me to come in and turn on or off the electricity. <laughs> to turn yes, we've talked about this yes. on the show. That's great. And, See, it happens, people. They would, they would give me, they would give me like fifty cents or a dollar, and I just, it was all fine with me. <laughs> You were the token Gentile. Hey, I I did that so many times. I never got a a fucking dime. Well, because they're not allowed to touch money on that day either. So did they just have it like on the table waiting for you or? Yes, of course. (laughs) Most of the time it was two quarters. (laughs) All right. And actual quarters or chocolate? Actual. (laughs) If if I knew that, like if I had it like you, where they were giving out money, I would have gone to every fucking Jewish house in that neighborhood and can I flip your lights on and off? What's good? Well, you know what? You weren't you weren't as savvy as me, even though I didn't know it then. Well, another thing I was wondering watching the documentary, music was obviously uh, a big part of your life. And, like, how did you gravitate to the heavier stuff? Was it just by just being in the scene and going to the clubs and discovering these bands? Uh, how did you get into, like, more of the punk and metal stuff? Sure. Um, well, you know, I have a book coming out tomorrow, <laughs> which is kind of fun. Uh, called I Am Michael Lago, Breathing Music, Signing Metallica, Beating Death. And mm-hmm. say at the beginning of the book, I think I came out of the womb loving music. Uh, there was nothing else really in my life that I cared about, not even people. All I cared about was the music. So I would listen to 77 WABC radio, um, and I would watch these television shows like um, Midnight Special, Soul Train, and uh, American Bandstand. And all that, all of those shows had a wide variety of music in there, from, you know, Aretha Franklin to David Bowie to Grand Funk Railroad. It was just a whole host of things. And so my ears, at a very early age, were open to a lot of different kinds of sounds, and I appreciated that. So as a young person, um, my first concert ever was Alice Cooper at Madison Square Garden 
It was the last night of the Billion Dollar Babies tour. And my cousin's boyfriend, who we called Manny the Greek from Astoria, that was his name, Manny the Greek from Astoria, uh, took me to see Alice Cooper. I was all 13 years old, and I'd never been to Madison Square Garden before, but I had seen Alice on like midnight special or late on a Friday night on in concert. And I just flipped out over the theatricality of it all. And so like, then I like ordered his record from like the middle of the TV guide, you know, cause back then if you had the TV guide, there was something called Columbia house. Oh yeah. Of, of course. course. Record. Yeah. You would get six, you would get six records for a penny. Yeah. But, being like all of 13 years old, I didn't read the fine print. So, you know, after that, you had to like buy another five or six albums at like full price, which I was not very happy about. <laughs> so early on, what? No, go ahead. Oh, I thought somebody said something. There's too many of you there. You have to be quiet. We're trying. Oh, sorry. So, hey, so like I said, early age, I, I heard a lot of stuff. Um, I used to visit my dad in the East Village. He worked for IBM. On Saturdays, I would go to his office, but I had found a little international newsstand, and friends of mine told me about this weekly newspaper called The Village Voice. So I found The Village Voice. Inside The Village Voice was music, art, theater, porn, and politics. I didn't give a damn about politics, but I loved all the other stuff in there. I don't know exactly... Oh, I do know exactly. In around 1975, my friend Leslie from Connecticut, New Haven, Connecticut, took me to see Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers at mm. CTV. And that was another experience. You know, I was 15. I looked like I was 12. And I was at CBGB. After that, I knew that that was like a place I wanted to live at. And I basically lived at CBGB till they closed their doors in October of 2006. So in the Village Voice, there was a quarter page ad always that ran down one side of the page, everything being listed at CB's. I had heard about the Dead Boys. I had heard about a bunch of these new punk acts coming out. And I thought if it sounded interesting, like television, the Ramones, uh, uh, the Dead Boys, Blondie, I-, I-, I wanted to go. I always wanted to go where the music was. So it was almost just a natural um, uh, gravitating towards heavier stuff as I just got a little older. Older than was like 16, 17 years old. Never mind that underneath Trick Avenue, I only, in Brooklyn, I only lived seven blocks from Lamore, where I got to see everybody in the early 80s from Metallica, Wasp, The Plasmatics. Uh, I think even Merciful Fate might have played there. And so I would just wander over there and stagger home fully drunk. (laughs) So I guess those are like kind of like the early days. Rob, you're muted still. Oh. Yeah. Hey, I was... Yeah, it was... I was wondering, um, what is the, the beef between Max's and CBGB's? Oh, well, it's been so many years, I couldn't tell you, but it was always something like if you played one place, you just couldn't play the other. I think it had to do really with who the owners were. Um. They weren't very friendly to each other. Only a couple of bands got away with that 
and I think one of them was suicide. I don't know how they managed to play both venues, but they did. Yeah, that was something I learned from watching um, the doc. So that was cool. I was like, what is that about? Uh-huh. Yeah, I think it mostly had, it had nothing to do with the bands, really. It had to do with the owners. And uh, that's, uh, I couldn't answer that any better than that. So what was the uh, like? What, what was the process between like? In other words, you played CBGBs now. Like, how do you, did, did was there a process for deciding which one you wanted to play? Like, would someone stop you from playing the other, or it was just a known thing that you just didn't do it? Um, I think it was just like a known thing. Like managers would know if we have the Dead Boys playing at CBs, well, they're certainly not going to be able to play at Maxon. And then after a uh, while, just found which place suited you, and that was your home. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, you mentioned uh, stumbling home drunk from Lemoore. First of all, like, all of us kind of gr- grew up in that area, and, like, all of us went to Lemoore, so we're sure. very, like, what, like, huge, love it. you know, nostalgia, huge love for Lemoore. Uh, but one thing that I was so fascinated by is you said you would, like, stumble home drunk, and then you would hear a payphone ring, and you would oh. pick up the payphone, and there would be somebody uh above the payphone who was like soliciting you like this was like pre tinder pre all the apps grinder all of them uh like how did that happen yeah. <laughs> right but you have that a little you have that a little mixed up um all of okay. that happened once i lived in manhattan in oh that was manhattan okay I, yeah i moved into manhattan in the early 80s i lived all the way on the west side near West Street, the West Side Highway. My mm. street was Washington Street. And on Washington Street alone, there were all these gay bars. There was the Spike and the Eagle and the Anvil. And of course, you know, if you were like a little tipsy, you would go to all the bars. And then, you know, you would probably be drinking till like four o'clock in the morning. But there was a thing, and people knew that, that if the payphone rang, you just kind of knew that there was somebody watching you and that like, you'd look around and inevitably somebody would be in the window jerking off. And you just thought, well, if they look good, I'll go up, have a whack, and go home. <laughs> also, that, so they'd wait till like an attractive man you, would pass the payphone? Is that what would happen? What, what, what? So they'd wait until like an attractive guy passed the payphone, or they were just calling the payphone at like at random times. No, they they'd would wait to see if somebody was there, and and there you go. They would call, and me, of course, I heard the payphone ring, and I would pick it up, and I'd be like, "Ah, what do you want?" <laughs> so that puts a whole new perspective on it for me, because Sid and I were both talking like before the show started that we we're about in our forties, and uh, we both have picked up like random payphone calls before and it note to me it like I, I don't know if my voice wasn't attractive enough or whatever <laughs> but it, I, I was probably like 16 17 and i never like was even propositioned for sex so this i learned this whole thing from your documentary yeah we're probably in the wrong area <laughs> <laughs> i was like what i heard that so i was like what's wrong with me <laughs> And uh, it, it is it is uh, very funny that you talk about how like when you first met Metallica, how you were uh, like you know you're you're this very outgoing guy, and and it's 
it's it's no secret what your orientation is and like how did they respond to you at first were they uh welcoming were they like a little hesitant (laughs) (laughs) okay keep in mind we're all about the same age if they're 21 22 or 23 um Mm -hmm. and i didn't look like a record executive. I never looked like a record executive. I would always be running around in jeans and a red t-shirt or something like that. Um, the first person, though, I, I was mostly in contact with was Lars. And uh, him being, you know, European, uh, I think he, right. he like probably met gay people in his life and stuff like that. Um, the other guys... When they first met me, I was mostly drunk a lot. So I would be like, oh, my God, I love you guys. And I would hug and kiss them. And they would look at me like, oh, this one's a little nuts. Are you sure he's the guy from Electra? And backstage at Roseland, Lars was like, yes, everybody, this is Michael Alago from Electra. We always got along. We always, there was, you know, sexuality has nothing to do with it, I think, when mostly all you want to talk about is music. But right. we always had good laughs about everything, whether it was about sexuality, music, or just life in general. Um, but no, there was never any kind of, um, there was never problems with any of my bands because, you know, I don't know, I'm a cool guy. And uh, like I said, it was always about the music. Right, right. And, and like, uh, yeah, it, 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 I, I, totally, I totally get what you're saying with that. And I mean, with the music also, like what an album with Metallica to come in on uh, with like Ride the Lightning, which I assume that was the first Electra release, right? Since I believe uh, Kill 'Em All uh, came out on Metal Blade. Is that like, and Ride the Lightning is my favorite album. On Megaforce. Oh, Megaforce. That's right. I, I had it confused. It's okay. Get your shit together. We're going to whip them after the show. I I don't know. What? You know what? I said, come on. I said, come on, Rob. You're embarrassing us. (laughs) It's, um, you know, what's happening because all of us are on here. Some of the uh, voices fade in and out and we overlap. Uh So uh, if I think you asked me about uh, Ride the Lightning. Yes. There's a, it's a whole host of there's a whole confluence of things happening in, in 1984 for me, just doing my, my my job on an everyday basis, and then this whole love of Metallica and wanting to sign them and get them off of Megaforce. Now Megaforce was a, a fantastic, a very creative young label, but you know they were an independent, and I felt like you know they couldn't take Metallica to the next level like I could take them to because I worked for a corporation and it was a cool corporation, Electra Records, you know, in the sixties and seventies, they had bands like the Doors and the MC five and the Stooges. So, um, yes, you asked me about, uh, kill them all and ride the lightning. Kill them all. His first album came out on Megaforce. Ride the lightning was being made as I was trying to, um, I think negotiate their deal. So for a minute, it did come out on Megaforce. And then we just picked up both those records, and they were on Elektra. The first full record I worked on with the band was the third album, Master of Puppets. I see. And like, and, and with Master of Puppets, I mean, uh, take nothing away from that as well. Like that has I, maybe you know, Enter Sandman is obviously their most famous song, but I feel like Master of Puppets is 
arguably their signature song where like that's the one people go crazy for every night when they play it live well keep in mind for me you know the black album has nothing to do with the previous records you know right right and man that was a totally they they developed to a place where you know bob rock took them to this big almost commercial place without losing their integrity because that album is absolutely brilliant. But Master of Puppets is a totally different animal. It's this thrash record with very accomplished songs. You know, each record from Kill 'Em All, Ride the Lightning to Master, everything just kept getting better. The, the arrangements, the length of the song, the, just the overall power of the material. So that, that record, for me, Master of Puppets is their like landmark record. Although, another two records later, when the Black Album came out, I think in 1990, I mean, that just became such a big breakthrough album for them. But like I said, two totally different animals, Master and Black. And I'm curious, you know, like... Uh... Do you try to keep up with newer bands now? Uh, is, is like like how how is your? I, I assume you never lose your passion for music, but uh, what about like discovering new artists or anything like that? Sure, that's a good question. Um, I still go out all the time. Uh, you can probably find me at St. Vitus Bar in Brooklyn a lot. Um, as a matter of fact, I'll give you a good a good story. Um, about two years ago, my cousin Julie calls me from Florida. She says, Michael, my next door neighbor's son has a band. Well, I've heard that for 30 years. <laughs> Everybody is rotten. So I said, okay, you know, Julie, just send me the CD. She sends me the CD. It's a totally like self-made independent record by a band from South Florida called Ether. The record is called There Is Nothing Left For Me Here. It is brutal as fuck. It is very, very heavy. Um, and I heard the record, and I thought, this is for me. So I go down to South Florida. I see them. I fall in love with them. They're great, great people, which is also very important. They're smart people. And um, they were thrilled to meet me, of course. Um, so I said, you know what? If you want a record deal, I'm going to get you a record deal. And I got them a record deal with Century Media Records. The record came out two months ago. They are now called Ether Coven. The record is called Everything is Temporary Except Suffering. It was produced by Eric Rattan from Morbid Angel. And so to answer your question, I'm out there. <laughs> yes. I, people. I still love new music. I still love my old friends when they come to town, like Creator and Voivod. But yes, I'm out there. I listen to new music. I'm very specific and very particular about my likes and my dislikes. But the heavier, the better for me. That's awesome. Yeah, I, and Ether Coven is, is great. I've actually I've really been taking that record. I didn't realize the involvement there. That's so cool. Uh, and also, you were very involved with uh, White Zombie and and bringing them to the masses. And and it's so it's so like they to me were such a pivotal '90s band. Like when when I think oh absolutely. Like, 90s metal and 90s hard rock like white zombies right up there and those those their their singles are just timeless and so 
how did how do you like and from what I gather from the documentary, they weren't there yet when you saw that in them like how how do you know that's in there and how do you convince musicians who are pretty egotistical that they need to get to this bigger place right good question um my friend daniel ray who plays ronnie Spector, he was in the masters of reality he wrote for the ramones uh, dear friend of mine of 35 years 39 years he was shopping reaching slab Circus of Power, and White Zombie. Uh, Rob Zombie might tell you a little different, but nobody wanted White Zombie. Uh, so <laughs> Daniel got Raging and Circus signed to RCA. Daniel then said to me, Michael, I don't know what to do with this band. Nobody's saying yes to me. So I said, well, take me to see them. So I went to a little bar. Uh, I was, well, it wasn't even a bar. I went to this little space which was underneath a restaurant in the East Village on Lafayette Street. And um, they, like I say in the documentary, and I probably say it in my book that's coming out, um, they were in the corner in the back in the dark on this little stage just making a whole racket. And it wasn't even songs. It was <laughs> kind of um, brilliant noise. No songs whatsoever as far as I, I could figure out. But I fell in love with them. I loved their energy on stage. I loved the dreadlocks flying all over the place. I loved the sweat. I loved Sean, their bass player. I thought Rob was superb. You, you know, you can't buy things like um, charm and charisma. And Rob had all of that in spades in the early stages. So, you know, I talked to them after... Uh, the gig, they probably wound up coming back to my house, and we had uh, frozen white Russians that we <laughs> with ice cream in a blender, and we would just sit around talking, and I said to them, you know, I love what you do, but it has to graduate to something else. And, you know, we would play Metallica and Slayer and all these other bands, and Rob, the smart cookie that he is, really understood what I meant by that. So um, we made a series of demos. They were very good. And I just said, you know what? I have to take a chance on these people because I think they're going to be huge. Um, so we wound up making um, the album, uh, La Sexorcista, Devil Music Volume 1, with Andy Wallace. Picked Andy Wallace because we, whatever the previous Slayer record that came out the year before was, we loved the overall sound of that. The band really got their act together and put together song. And there you go, you have that brilliant first album. Yeah, that's cool. Well, that's good uh, that you know uh, he he is is was receptive to it, and and obviously it, it all worked out. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I wanted let, let's uh, talk about the book. Uh, I am Michael Alago, breathing music, signing Metallica, beating death. Uh, I can't like I can't imagine how much effort it requires to uh, write a book, let alone write a book about your life uh, and 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 kind of deciding what goes in or like the format, like the you know. Just, and then just writing it and committing to, to, to doing it. What 
what was the the process like for you and, and was it a fun process or a challenging one um i think it was fun it was challenging sometimes it was like, frustrating um, i have a bit of a scatterbrain and i don't remember half of my life so i have no idea why as a 15 year old i started making journals and mm. i just started writing about everything I did. And those early journals were not poetry or creative writing. It was lists, like taking the B train from Brooklyn to Manhattan, going to see Dead Boys and the Dams for three nights at CBGB. And it was lists for many years until it was creative writing or poetry. Um, 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 um. So when I was asked by Backbeat Books if I wanted to make a book, I just thought, you know what? I love to read. My whole house is filled with books. I should have my own book. So I knew I wasn't going to be able to do it on my own because I had this horrible scatterbrain. But thank God I had the channels. So I asked an old friend of mine, Laura Davis Channon, if she'd want to help, um, help write the book uh, with me. So uh, she said yes. We Skyped most of the time for two years. And... Um, I read from the journals. Reading from the journals sparked my memory for things that happened. That without those journals, there would be no book. She transcribed all that stuff. She'd send it back to me, and I'd say, "Now nah, you're finessing it a little too much, and it doesn't sound like me anymore. It has to be over the top. It has to be gay. It has to be fabulous. It has to just ring and." scream like Michael Alago. So we did that a bunch of times. And then when it finally came back to me at some point, the manuscript really sounded exactly like me. And that took about two and a half years. And, um, you know, it comes out tomorrow, March 25th. And I'm thrilled. Mazel tov. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Congratulations. That's a, that's, that's very, very cool. Thank you. Uh, and uh, once again, the book is called Please. I am Michael Alago, breathing music, signing Metallica, beating death. Yeah. Could you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, final question. Wait, favorite what? pizza. Final question would be yes. favorite pizza spot in New York City. Favorite what? Pizza. Pizza spot. Pizzeria. Oh. 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 Yeah. Pizza. Well, there is a vegan pizza place on Second Avenue in the East Village called Double Zero that I like. But mm. if I'm going vegan that day, I go down to Joe's on like West Third and Carmine in the West Village and that piece is fantastic. Awesome. Uh, Michael, thank you so much uh, for your time and hanging out with us and sharing some of these uh, great stories. We, 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 we'd love to hear oh, it. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for wanting to talk to me. I totally appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. We, and, uh, you know, we would have loved to have you better. in the studio. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> our current situation <laughs> prevents that. Maybe we could happen once things uh, settle down with, with the world as it is. We can all hug and kiss next year. Yeah. Can't wait. <laughs> okay. <Hopefully>. Definitely. <laughs> all right. Uh, be safe out there. Thank you all so right. much, Michael. Thank you so much. Let me know when you cut. Like, I'm sure you're going to have to edit some of this stuff, right? No, no, we're leaving it all in. <laughs> this is live, baby. It's all good. Unless you want something taken out. Yeah, if, if, if you want something you know, taken out, you can listen. You're going to wind up listening to it. So if you think that something like uh, just doesn't sound right because I said it twice or whatever, 
you know, clean the fucking shit up. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're, you're, the man's a pro. I love it. He really it. is. <laughs> you're right. 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 Hey, whoever I'm talking to. See, this is like the anonymous phone sex. <laughs> <laughs> Look up, Michael. We're learning. That's us waving. <laughs> He's our program director now. Yeah, right now. <laughs> Until next time. Until next time. Have a great night. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right. That was Michael Alago. What a what a wonderful Check conversation. Out who the yeah. fuck is that guy? The fabulous journey of Michael Alago. Oh yeah, that is on Netflix. Highly recommended. So uh, it's a very easy watch. It's like I don't even. It's like minutes. Yeah, and it's 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 a lot of fun tales about old New York. You know how we feel about old New York here on the Metal Injection live cast. It doesn't even feel like an hour and fifteen minutes. Like yeah. That was cool. I wish, um, I wish we had him under better circumstances because there's so much to talk to him about. He's just like a yeah. I feel like we could we could have done a whole history. show just asking him about <sighs> old New York stories and stuff, but Next it'll time. happen. It'll yeah. I did, when you, when you mentioned Lemores, I was like, well, that right there is a, a gold mine of things to talk yeah. about. Yeah. I want. Yeah. He seems. He seems pretty prolific. He'll probably have some new project he's promoting in a year, and we could just have him back. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I mentioned it. It is the uh, the coronavirus situation is still going on. Wait, it is? And, yeah. I don't, that's why we're not in studio. That's why we're at I our... I went out, and I was, like, licking subway poles today. Why no! You... No! You just said 30 minutes ago not to do God that. God damn it. I don't know about Son you guys, a, but that was totally that was totally safe before the coronavirus. Just so you know, yeah. now now nobody should look subway. Poles. <laughs> just want you guys to know that. I am totally enjoying quarantine though because I'm a homebody as is. So like the fact that I get to like stay home, I'm eating great. I get to just like be in comfortable clothing. For me, it's mm-hmm. really comforting. How are the uh, sex toys doing? Is everything holding up? Uh, are you disinfecting what? them? <laughs> well, I'm running low on rubbing alcohol, so <laughs> problem soon. Okay, we'll send more. Uh, for me, it, the only thing that's really changed about my life is I don't go to the gym every day, which is kind of a bummer. That really did kind of like jumpstart yeah. my day every morning. Uh, but otherwise, my life is like I realized I live most of my life in quarantine, which is depressing <laughs> in and of itself. Like my life really hasn't changed that much. The only time I feel it is is like, you know, on the weekends or wanting to go out. But like it's because I've done nothing for two weeks. Now I'm actually like, you know, I miss going to shows. <laughs> Whereas before I joked, I'm Even retired. metal shows? Even I would love to go to a metal. I would love to go to a show at St. Vitus at this point. We're supposed to go <laughs> wow. to Somnium. You'd love to go to the fucking bagel store at this point. We're all going stir crazy. Well, I mean, I did. I did do a grocery. I did a grocery run, and it was like it felt like I was playing in a zombie game, or like having yes. having to like. Oh my god! No, I had the exact same experience. Guys, sorry. Yeah. I, well, like so, uh, and uh, again, you know, I, I don't want to. You know, we we are lucky in that we can afford groceries. You know, a lot of people are, are way worse off. But like, I was uh, pulling up to the Whole Foods, and this is a good thing. Now they've like closed it off, and only 
like they stagger it so only let's say 50 people are in the store at once which is smart because it, it's typically way too packed what about all but the people then, outside on the line though Right, then there's a huge line, and I'm like, I'm not waiting on this fucking line. I'm out of here. So I went to the, the you smaller... Get coronavirus is you're waiting on this line one foot away from somebody and fucking coughing on you. Well, no, no. The thing is, the security is saying, keep your distance. <laughs> like, the line, people were keeping their space between each other, too. It was very... There's a huge parking lot. But then I went to this other supermarket, a smaller one, for you guys, Fairway. And it was actually a bummer because there was no line and it was like dead. And I felt so bad because it was like, you know, like this is a, I mean, it's not like a mom and pop. I think it is an independently owned business. Fairway? No, it's not. They have the chain. No, I understand. But it's not like a big corporation. I have two questions, Robert. Sure. One, while you were at Fairway, did you stop by hometown for some barbecue also? Since it's right there. That's fucked no, up. but I, I felt guilty because I do want to support the local business. But I just it and wasn't. You know a- the guy; he probably would have given you free stuff. I wouldn't want to take it now. Two, you can literally see a grocery store from your living room window. Why did you have to drive to multiple other grocery stores when you could have walked like a quarter of a block? Great question. There is a grocery store across the street from my house, which again, very, uh, very lucky that I have it. But uh, first of all, all of their meats were gone yes so i so that wouldn't work for me and it's like it's really small i don't like like that place for me is like a oh i need something quick that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. i can't do my daily i mean my weekly they don't have the good snacks is what he's trying to say (laughs) yeah the the right snacks they have great they have great ice cream flavors (laughs) but anyway you know what i wanted to tell you wait i'm sorry because this is very important so i've been frothing (laughs) Now that I'm making coffee at home, I've been frothing, and I fucking love oh, it. The milk, you mean. All right. Frothing <laughs> milk, not like frothing at the mouth. Yeah, I thought you had some. Both. Corona yeah. rabies. Both. Both. But I'm so picturing... on the frothing train. I totally get it, Rob. Sorry, Darren. Go ahead. I, I was picturing Rob, like, like venturing out, uh, like, Gandalf or something to, like, West Virginia to get party mix because <laughs> the local supermarket. That might be the next organic step. party mix. Oh my walking stick just roaming the earth throughout the apocalypse. Bring me the party mix. <laughs> Bring me the oots. Here you go, master. This is the wrong kind. How dare you? This has barbecue corn chips, but no pretzels. Oh, you gotta have pretzels. Come on. Yeah, that's like the what kind of party. With base. Yeah. But I was at, like you said, the meat thing. I've actually found a place that had chicken thighs, and they were just yes! putting them out. That was the hardest. Know. That was the hardest thing to find. That was the first thing to go. Uh, I thought that uh, mana had rained down from heaven because I found my chicken thighs. I'm so excited to cook my chicken thighs. <laughs> Eat like a motherfucking king in this bitch. I think I traveled the furthest. I traveled to New Windsor, New York to go shopping. Oh, how was the, how was the stock New in New Windsor? It was great. I mean, I found a bunch of like pork sausages and a bunch of meat, a lot of groceries. And like the, the store was pretty much, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say it was empty, but it was like the Whole Foods, but just natural. Well, like how far, how far is that? It's like two hours out of New York almost. Oh, wow. And you decided to come back? 
should have just stayed there. Well, my dad's internet connection is too slow for me to do work because he's in the middle of nowhere. But it all depends on how locked down the city gets. I might have to go up there. Oh. Yeah, it's coming. Yeah. Yeah. We're already on, like, quote-unquote, you know, suggested uh, lockdown, where yeah. it's like they're counting on you to do it yourself, but it hasn't been imposed by law yet. But there's, like, what I've read is that it's going to be, you know, 8 p.m. If you're on the street, you're in a lot of trouble. That's what the what's on the table. Just but like I, don't, I don't think... I think... Uh, th- it, I think they might set these rules so they can do it, but I, I don't know how much they're going to enforce it. Like, if you're walking your dog, they're not going to, like, shoo you yeah. away. I think if I you're think just, like, loitering in a park, they're probably close parks. It would be up to the discretion of the, the officer, like, if they mm-hmm. think. Which yeah, always works out. That's never good because, you know, I mean, you and I might get away with it if you happen to be a different shade of uh, skin color, you know. Maybe well, a if lot. you're together, then, Darren, you will not get away with it only <laughs> Clearly. (laughs) Over 10 years, 15 years ago. But in this case, to be fair, if I am out with Rob somewhere, we're both breaking it no matter what we're doing. In (laughs) other case, he was doing some shit and I wasn't. Right. Now I do that stuff indoors. I have my own place. So I don't know. Well, you have no choice. You never do it outdoors. Like, forget quarantine, but pre quarantine. You weren't smoking outdoors ever? Uh, ever, sure. I mean, like, I, occasionally, but not as much. I mean, I just, uh, I've uh, mostly, you, you know, like, uh, smoked, uh, before leaving, kind of. That oh. was good to do my thing. That's how you should do it. Yeah. I've been uh, well, uh, on, on the topic of the coronavirus, what's interesting is that the, uh, New York City Department of Health <laughs> issued a uh, document about sex and the coronavirus. Oh, yeah. Really- uh, and, and, and this is a, you know, a very interesting topic because people were wondering, you know, could you get coronavirus transmitted via sexual contact? It turns out there are some instances where you can, I'm, I'm just going to, let me just read this whole document. I'll, we'll, we'll just go through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then uh, and then we could you know assess it as as it's happening. So let me let me just load it really quick. One moment. I mean, the main thing about coronavirus is that it's transmitted in fluid, right? Like yeah. the, the thing mm-hmm. can't if it's not if as soon as it hits dry air, it's dead. So that's why right. when someone also sneezes on you. So I would assume that it could be in semen if it found its way to your to your to your semen. But also you're well, probably like kissing the person that you're having sex with. So right. even that right. is a wrap already. Here's what it says. Here are some tips how you can enjoy sex and avoid spreading COVID nineteen. Number one, know how COVID nineteen spreads. You can get COVID-19 from a person who has it. The virus can spread to people who are within about six feet of a person. Uh, People can get it within six feet of a person with COVID-19 when that person coughs or sneezes. And the virus can spread through direct contact with their saliva or mucus. We still have a lot to learn about COVID-19 and sex. COVID-19 has been found in the feces of people who are infected with the virus. Sorry, Uh, Noah. 
COVID-19 has not yet been found in semen or vaginal fluid. Once uh, again, you know, once again, the coprophagists are taking the shaft here. Who's taking the more than the shaft? Never get a break in society. All the diseases spread that way. It's crazy. In a we know that other. <laughs> we do know that other coronavirus does not efficiently transmit through sex. Now, the New York Department of Health encourages you to have sex with people close to you. You are your safest sex partner. Yes, you, Sid. Masturbation will not spread COVID-19, especially if you wash your hands and sex toys with soap and water for at least 20 seconds before Wait. and after sex. What if I masturbate on a subway pole? <laughs> you have to wash the subway pole. Oh, all right. Come well, on. Um, no deal. No deal, Rob. You're joking, but that yeah, that's his kink. He likes soiling the subway poles. Uh, no, but they're kind of contrad. Am I hearing this wrong? Because it sounds like they just said masturbation cannot spread COVID nineteen, uh, especially if you do these things that prevent it from spreading anywhere. Like that's what it kind of sounds like. Like if you no, I think they're just make, they're goofing around. They're just saying just wash your hands. Make sure you wash your hands and keep your sex toys clean. Right, but they're not saying the semen. Oh well, the well if the sex toys, if you're putting them up your butt, and if you happen to have COVID nineteen, and then someone else touches the sex toy, then they might have. Right, I got you. So it can spread that way. Right, right. that's why they recommend you wash it. Exactly. Uh, so then the next safest Oops. partner is someone you lived with, you live with presently, uh, having close contact, including sex with only a small circle of people, helps prevent spreading COVID nineteen. So yes, they're saying jerking things. <laughs> right. I mean, look, it, it, it makes sense. It's like if you're in the same household, you're already breathing the same air. So, like, yeah. st stick to your roommates. Don't travel outside of the domicile for a sex partner because you don't know where that person's been or or who's been in the domicile. If you play your cards right, you might literally stick to your roommates. <laughs> uh, if you usually meet your sex partners online or make a living by having sex, which, by the way, I commend the language here. Because they're not saying, or if you're a prostitute. If you're a whore. <laughs> uh, or if you make a living having sex. Consider taking a break from in-person dates. <laughs> video dates, Call sexting. Video dates, sexting, or chat rooms may be options for you. Oh, come on. Pimp HR. Just join us on the uh, Skype chat. And then do, they provide, do they provide a link to Chatterbait, like to create an account? That's basically what <laughs> they're saying, right? Like they're not, become a they're, they're not promoting Chatterbait, Flirt for Free. You figure out the, the platform you use. OnlyFans. There's plenty of platforms. If you, if you work for, if you have sex for a living, consider starting an OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> I love the official uh, tone. Yeah. Number three, take care during sex. Kissing can easily pass COVID-19. Avoid kissing anyone who is not part of your small circle of close contacts. Rimming. Try what? 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 Wait, 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 wait. Go Sorry, on, Rob. What, 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 what was the joke? You, you cut out. And I just I said try heavy petting. <laughs> it's a, uh, I just thought they said take care during sex, meaning you know don't like spread fluids, but it just sounds like they're telling you to be a more attentive lovers. <laughs> <laughs> 
about it the way, you know? You can you can yeah. snuggle after finishing. <laughs> Everyone's uptight about COVID-19. Maybe stroke her hair a little bit. Will you? <laughs> um, so then it says, rimming, mouth on anus, it clarifies, might spread COVID-19. Virus in feces may enter your mouth. This goes back to the washing. If you're going to allow someone to give you analingus, make sure you're clean down there. All right. Also, Albuquerque hot pockets may not be sanitary and cause the spread of COVID-19. <laughs> Call back. Silly dog, however, very sanitary. Condoms. When Eiffel Towering. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Condoms can reduce contact with saliva or feces, especially during oral or anal sex. Useful. But it's no fun. Who wants to suck on a condom? Is that like... I never understood that. Yeah, like, and, and it seems like in the 80s, like in, uh, what was the show? The Deuce. That was a big uh, plot point is that is that everyone w- would not offer you, would not give you a blowjob unless you put a condom on. I was like, what the that's the point. It's like, it's like eating a craft single without unwrapping it. Even worse, <laughs> I would say. Yeah, if craft singles were uh, latex. Have you ever tasted a condom? Has anyone ever no. tasted? I haven't. Well, how would you taste it unless you were doing this process? Like you thought it was bubble gum or something? I mean, <laughs> there are ways. <laughs> I mean, it just I mean, it smells like a glove. Ones. Like, what is the? Yeah, and also, there's like some of them have um, uh, that stuff that kills sperm on it, uh, spermicide, yeah, on it, and then like that flavor. It's really disgusting. Yeah, who knows what else it's killing inside? Yeah, you know? that yeah, that seems not healthy to lick spermicidal lubricant. I mean, it's killing a live, vibrant part of you. If you're a man, like it's killing your sperm. Like, it could, what other cells is it going to break down? Yeah, true. Uh, is there a warning so he... on the wrapper? <laughs> Don't suck on this, you fucking idiots. That's what it says. <laughs> Look at the fine print. <laughs> for fucking, not for sucking. <laughs> so it says washing up <laughs> washing up before and after sex is more important than ever. Wash hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Like midway in, into your sex sesh. Take a break. Wash your hands. No, no, it doesn't. Can I just... Can I just, I, I disagree with that statement. It's not more important than ever. It's just as important as ever. <laughs> yeah, you always should have done this. <laughs> Who are these people that were not ever washing their hands before this? And I see that uh, online all the fucking time. Like, oh, now I realize how much I have to wear. Well, fuck you. What were you, were you touching anything I was touching before yeah, this? Wash sex toys with soap and warm water. Says. Uh, ah. Disinfect keyboards and touchscreens that you share with others for video chat, for watching pornography, or anything else. <laughs> oh, can I break in with this? So, all right. One of the last times I went out, like, into a social setting, like, before this really became, like, super quarantine time, I went to play poker. And it was just starting to be floated that you should start quarantining yourself or whatever. So this was, like, the last time I played cards. And we were looking for, like, things to rub down the poker table with, blah, blah, blah. And, like, Clorox wipes because every store was out of it. So this one guy, like, oh, let's do a run. We got in his car, like, before the game started. Went around looking for wipes and shit. 
nobody really had anything. And he's like, hey, do me a favor in the car. Do me a favor. Uh, dial, you know, 718, blah, blah, blah. So I said, okay, thinking he's going to, you know. Uh, he picks the phone up out of my hand and puts it right next to his sweaty, like, uh. mustache face. And I was like, I can never use this phone again. I have to now Corona dis- discard this phone because <laughs> it's uh, contaminated. It turned into a burner. He t- just yeah yeah he just called his girlfriend on my phone like but I thought he would use the speaker at least yeah let, hold it or he just picks it up whips it sticks it right practically up his fucking nose. <sighs> well, the same guy by the way wanted to continue playing through this. Qu- he's like fuck that. He's like a Trump guy, you know. They're not gonna tell me when to fucking play cards, you know. Like a, literally a day later, the club we play and got shut down. Board of Health said <laughs> it's under the guidelines that they have to shut down. So. Yes, they did tell you, asshole. <laughs> Job. I don't. Yeah, like these people. I I don't understand this rush to reopen things. Like to me, that just says, like you are completely uninformed about the situation. Because right. the whole reason we're doing this right now is because nobody knows who has it and who doesn't. And because we don't know, uh, we're all susceptible to it. And, right. and and we are all in danger of not only getting it but spreading it. Some of us might have one of us might have it right now, and we might we are you know not feeling anything, but we could be passing it along to other people. So uh, that's why this is happening. And the only way I feel where you can confidently send people back out to like these situations is when the testing is good enough to where you could have it at least within a day. Right now, it's like five to seven days. So, like, all the stats about positive uh, coronavirus uh, people, like people who, who test positive for it, there. It's if you think about it, those numbers from today are technically five days old because they're the tests that happened five days ago. So now it's spread even more. Uh, so it, it's just weird to me that people are like ready to be like, all right, you know, we've sat in our houses for a week. Let's let's go back. It's like no, it's going to take a long time well this is a very soft country that's let's put it that like people are soft from a week of not having like the exact food that they fucking want you know they're going like mentally insane from lack of like from maybe 85 percent of the stimulation they usually get they're still on the fucking internet they still have netflix hulu oh my god i've watched everything on netflix already like i'm so bored like get get it together people are fucking dying that's number one. And I think also the, the thing that a lot of people, like a lot of like Trump supporters and right-wing people, like their reaction to this is just 100% informed by owning the libs. Like they just want, they just want to go out and do like uh, defy the coronavirus because they're looking at it as like something the libs came up with to yeah, oppress it's, it's absurd. It's absurd. The other thing that's incredible to me is I'm, the last couple of days you've seen a little bit of like Republican politicians saying, well, saving the economy is more important than a few old people dying, which is so short-sighted on their part. Do they not realize that that's their entire voter base? <laughs> yeah. Like you'll save wow. the economy, but then there'll be no one left alive to vote for you. Right. Well, so then hey, what? Well, the, other thing that's, the other thing that's crazy is that they're um, – like uh, they're saying certain people who are less risk uh, oriented or in that ri- less of a risk group should go to uh, go to work 
and, and everyone else can stay home. Like the you know, children shouldn't go to school and old people should stay home. Do you not realize that those people bring the shit home to their kids, bring it home to their fucking old grandparents? Right, it'll still, all these people are going to get sick. Yeah, it's so yeah. stupid. It's so yeah. short-sighted, and you're just going to make it even... You're going to create the exact issue that we're trying to prevent, which is overloading the hospitals. And you don't go to work in a box. Like You go and you interact with the rest of the world. Yeah, I, can, I have sympathy for folks that, you know... Uh, aren't making any money right now and can't afford not to be working. I can sure. understand why for them it's it's um, there is an impetus to want to go back to work. Those are the only people I, I'm sympathetic to. But even still, I think it's a bad idea. And really, it's it's a it's a it shows how shitty our government is that they're not taking care of these people and not taking care of all of us. And and uh, you know, everyone's a lot of people are, are quickly becoming socialists. I feel with the situation in terms of really getting cash to people. Uh, but really quickly, just to wrap up uh, this health guide, skip sex if your partner is not feeling well. <laughs> I mean, this seems common sense, but I'm glad they're spelling it out. If you or a partner may who's, have COVID-19, avoid well wants to have sex anyway. Wait, say that again? When your partner is not feeling well, like, why are they going to have, like, who's partner who's not feeling well, well wants to have sex? let's just say... Let's just say, for the sake of argument, they just had a big plate of chicken parmesan. They feel like yeah. a pig. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you're still horny, you know? That's the way so, you start situation. If you okay. look like Hulk Hogan, definitely don't have sex. <laughs> that should just be a rule in general. Yeah. Uh, well, if you it's like a self-selecting sample anyway. Like, not many people <laughs> want to have sex with you if you look like one. <laughs> If you or your partner may have COVID-19, avoid sex and especially kissing. If you start to feel unwell, you may be about to develop symptoms of COVID-19, which include fever, cough, sore throat, and shortness of breath. If your partner has a medical condition that can lead to more severe COVID-19, you may also want to skip sex. Medical conditions include lung disease, heart disease, diabetes, cancer, or a weakened immune system. Uh, for example, having unsuppressed HIV and a low CD4 count. So uh, there you go. And like, I want to on the shortness of breath thing. This has been fucking with me so much. It's like I'm. That's the thing I'm most paranoid about. And it's really just that I'm out of shape. You know, that's the shortness of breath. Yes. I hope. Fingers crossed. Fingers. That's crossed. an underlying condition. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't know if it's the corona or my being out, being like just out of shape and, and not doing taking cardio huge bong me. rips every hour. Right, exactly. Is that my, is that a weed cough or a pot cough or a, or a corona cough? I don't know. You're, you definitely don't have coronavirus. You stay home most of the time. You work from home. You're and you've been quarantined, so you're you're good. All, all it takes is one one touch of a of, of a mango that someone with corona yeah. touched. Didn't, didn't you rescue Babka from one of those wet markets, too? <laughs> she was a dormant uh, thing. I don't think it was a a, a wet market, it, it, but it was a, a farm, I believe. That's where they said the corona came from, the bats, right? Is that true, or is that an urban legend? It, I don't think it's been... Not uh, it's I've seen on the, but it's been it's been like it's not locked in that that's a hundred percent what it is speculation it's one of the yes it's, it's one but of, either way but I believe China closed down those wet markets now just to be on the safe side don't fuck any bats for a couple weeks right what about baseball bats or don't those, lick their asses 
Don't don't lick their asses. <laughs> yeah. Bob, I know you wanted to move on. There was one more thing on that uh, on that okay. New York what a health thing. It says if you are uh, if you have Aspergers and are hearing impaired in one ear, uh, definitely use caution. That may spread the uh, COVID nineteen. It's weird. It's a weird combination like that. Yeah, very specific uh, warning too. But okay, <laughs> don't tell Jewish jokes. First of all. <laughs> Uh, before we uh, uh, wind it down, we do have a piece of hate mail, and we would always like to hear from you. You can email us uh, at any point during the week. Hate mail at metalinjection.net is the address, and uh, and we'll read it on the air. You could always record a voicemail, send a voice memo from your phone, get creative with it if need be. So uh, uh, we have we hear again from our. So, okay, let me just read it. What's up, Rob, Noah, Sid, and 3D? Here is the Portuguese girl. No need to say my name, Rob. You always read it wrong. <laughs> Portuguese girl. Go with that. Wasn't that a stunt of a pilot song? <laughs> Cristiana. Uh, trying to survive during the quarantine, like I suppose you are doing too. Uh, I bet this episode you already talked a lot about coronavirus stuff like you did in the previous episodes. But here come some points of view from the other side of the Atlantic. Well, this I, I want to know. Like the one thing that is kind of wild about coronavirus is I feel like this is the first. I don't know the first, but it's like a, a, a happening that the entire world is experiencing at the same time. You know, this isn't just happening in the U.S. Everyone is going through this right now. Yes, and uh, if we get through it, it's going to be the entire world celebrating together. Let's hope. How about that? Uh, I bet in this... Okay, so she says, like I already said before in other emails and voicemails, I'm working in Luxembourg and living on the border of France and Luxembourg. And uh, at the beginning, it was a huge mess around here. I'm currently working from home, not being able to cross the border anymore. There are cops everywhere controlling who goes in and out. That is pretty wild. Like, everyone's just accepted that all the borders have to be shut down. And, and like, there's no... like. No one disagrees. Like, I don't disagree necessarily. Like, right now, sure, yeah, like, we sh- there shouldn't be... It's a special circumstance. Inter- yeah. They're doing their job well, though. Already heard that some people got fees for trying to cross the border without proper justification. For example, 70% of the doctors in Luxembourg live in neighboring countries. So I'm guessing they're allowed to mm-hmm. <laughs> travel. But before it was declared a state of emergencies, my bosses were driving me crazy trying to know if their if most of their workers could come to work or not. So they started immediately testing the work from home system and rushing everything before the border shut down. Well, that's good. Sounds like they were prepared. And now here I am, she continues, listening to podcasts, watching series, YouTube videos, and cough cough working. <laughs> or cough, trying. Cough. Oh my god, get that checked out. <laughs> yeah. How does your chest feel? Jesus. A lot of stuff to distract me at home from working like my boyfriend who is at home without doing anything. Oh, how I envy him. Well, I hope you heard our sex tips, by the way. Uh, She continues, my boyfriend is Italian and sadly from the north, the epicenter of the coronavirus in Italy. But so far, his family is fine and we hope it keeps that way. It's good to hear. Then my family is all here in France, too, at home, except my sister that works in the supermarket. She's exhausted. Oh, boy. I can only imagine. I have so much... Sympathy, too, for Uh, these grocery store workers. I feel so bad for them. I really hope that they're at least getting paid double or something like that. The real troops. I don't think Uh, they're getting paid double. A little bit. 
at least more than what they normally get paid. Anyway, uh, she, she continues that her sister is the one who can eventually, eventually bring the virus home, which is true. Yep. They're the ones most at risk. Now I will do an appeal to everyone who is listening. Don't be mean to the supermarket employees. Stop yelling at them like it's their fault. They don't have fucking toilet paper. I agree. These well, employees are sacrifice. These employees are sacrificing so much working. Please don't be rude. Thanks. Also, it's not up to them. They're not the bosses. Uh, now here I comes something. To that, Rob, sorry. I just want to add one thing to that. Is that uh, that's a good advice before, during, and after the coronavirus because they people should just not be mean to workers in general. Like, stop being yeah. a fucking asshole. These are people doing a valuable service, usually getting shit pay. Just don't be a dick. I haven't seen anyone uh, being a dick to anyone. I just got to say that. I don't know. Everyone, in, yeah, everyone, in my neighborhood, everyone's yeah, pretty everyone's cordial. Everyone's very friendly and understanding of the situation. So I, I just want to say that I think that's also happening. It's been a lot better. Since, I feel like there's much more a sense of community since this shit happened. Like people yeah. like see you coming on the street. Like times I've had to go outside. They see you coming. They step aside. They smile. You know, oh, six feet. Whatever. Yeah. Step into the street or whatever. Well, I would hope if they saw you coming into the street that <laughs> they would step aside. Like That's for their own good. Yeah. <laughs> Different kind of coming. Oh. How do you help? I'm you don't what? know. Maybe my cum has healing powers. You don't know. Why are you assuming <laughs> things? It's the cure that's to like COVID nineteen. It's like the old Dave Chappelle what? joke about Michael Jackson. What? I don't remember this. What was it? That maybe uh, sucking Michael Jackson's dick is the cure for cancer. Huh? See? Because sucking Michael Jackson's dick is the cure for cancer because mm. the Make a Wish kid never died that accused him of sexual assault. Mm. That was the joke. So maybe you so, have the same oh, healing powers. Yeah, maybe my testicles produce the cure for coronavirus. You have <laughs> no idea. You don't know, and you're still slandering me. I apologize. That's okay. I'll All right, still Rob. let it go. Rob. So she wraps up. Now here comes something related to you, my dear Americans. During this quarantine, I started rewatching my favorite TV series of all time, Breaking Bad. And it scared me like it didn't scare me the first time I watched. And you know why? Because of your shitty health system. Yep. Like, what the fuck? Walter is dying with cancer and he needed, he needed so much money to start the cancer treatment. So right now, I can't even imagine how much money is needed for the coronavirus stuff. Is everyone just doing math now or what? <laughs> Seriously, do you know how much it costs to get a coronavirus test, for example? Well, they're saying the tests are going to be free. And how much people without health insurance, uh, how much it would cost if they do have systems? I saw some articles where it was like thirty to $100,000. It was like 36000 actually. Uh, sorry to say, but I would never live in the U.S. I like my free healthcare too much, and I know that Rob doesn't have insurance. So, how will you deal if you get the virus and need medical assistance? Better die, no? <laughs> Joking. I really hope you're all alive and well from all of this madness. Please be for the sake of your wallets. Well, yes, I this email's to... big enough. Right. I thought there, I saw. I thought you were done. Go ahead. I'm sorry. That was it. She said, "Please be safe and entertained during these harsh times." Well, I want to say to our fine uh, Christiana. Uh, I find the Portuguese caller that there is good news and bad news uh, about the U.S. healthcare system. The good news is uh, there is someone running who, uh, for president who has been at the forefront of healthcare and healthcare reform for the past four decades. 
And the bad news is that he's uh, currently losing to a guy with a bleeding brain who has to hide for three weeks at a time while they shoot him up with crank in order for him to be able to do a seven-minute press conference. So you got a little good, a little bad. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Hopefully the good will, ha- will prevail after this crisis that we're all going through. And with that, we got to get out of here. We do want to thank our patrons and uh, uh, want to mention, of course, you can be, uh, if you like the show and want to give back a little more, you can join our Patreon for as low as $5 a month and you get bonus episodes. You get these video versions of uh, the podcast that we're going to be doing while we're in quarantine and a bunch of bonus stuff. Uh, And for 10 bucks a month, you get to be a top live cast fan of the week where we give you a nice little shout out. And I'll just do the the shout outs this week. Oh, okay. the top live cast. Oh, do you have them, Darren? Yeah. Oh, then let's do it. Top live cast shout out of the week. Number one, Eric. Number two, Rob Ganoush, aka Justin with an I. Number three is Benjamin. We have El Dudorino, Cynical Sid's Cynic Cynicism. Dan R. Cattle Decaf. That's with an F. Mindy Mayer's Keeper. That's a little Jewish hat. So you're keeping score at home. Croc Destroyer with an A. Sam I Am I Is. Florida man, Justin with an E, and yonder. Long time chat, Discord denizen. So that's our live cast shoutouts of the week. I'm going to have some rubber ganoush with my dinner. Can't wait. Nice. Thank you so much uh, to everyone, and thank you for listening. Hope everyone stays safe, keeps your hands cleaned, keep at home, listen to our archives to keep yourselves busy if need be. And we'll, uh, we'll uh, see you next week. Ta-ta, everyone. Bye, everybody.